Welcome back to the Teef Podcast. Been a hot minute. Busy, 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 running around, doing all the things. Um, yeah, been, it's been a it's been a wild year since turkey season, since those uh, Learn to Hunt podcasts. Excited to dive back into it with a Coach's Corner podcast here. Just been busy uh, helping the folks. My dad had a pretty... He's, he's had a hard go of it with his uh, neck fusion surgery and his spinal fusion and it's been it's been tough watching him kind of battle the chronic pain he's in <laughs> have to battle the the medical system the lack of further care and treatment that um, the hospitals and the orthopedic surgeons and their teams are kind of willing to give so it's been it's been Pretty crummy, I'm not going to lie. So uh, excited to get back in the podcast, though. Share these stories, grow from there, kind of share what's been happening in the worlds of health, fitness, wellness, and, of course, outdoor recreation. So expect plenty more of that as we as we dive into these podcast episodes in crazy times, for sure. Um, and thanks for... Big thank you to the patrons of the show that have stuck with it. All that, all that support has been awesome. Keeping website, all the all the digital platforms going. We did a bunch of meal workshops this summer with CSA peeps here in Stevens Point. So, patrons of the th- of the show, I appreciate that. Goes into our learn to hunt programs, supporting that and getting new hunters outside so really appreciate you and if you'd like to support the show visit us on patreon team early af Uh, support the show at different levels i do remote training all that kind of stuff as well so if you're outside of the stevens point area interested in some some health and fitness orthopedic coaching hit me up on there happy to help Uh, and with that Thank you to Schulze Family Beef, longtime supporter of the show, keeping it going. Uh, Humbird, Wisconsin, they do pasture-raised beef, ships right to the consumer. So wherever you're at in Wisconsin or the Midwest, they'll you go to their website, pick what kind of beef box you want, when you want it delivered, and they'll uh, put that together for you and send it on its way through speedy delivery. So love their product. I'm actually eating it right now. Just made a little... Uh, Maple, maple squash bowl with some wild Wisconsin wild rice, Schulze family beef, and some uh, butternut squash from my parents' garden. So super tasty. Can't recommend it enough, especially if you don't have access to uh, some good local Wisconsin beef. So check out Schulze family beef. Visit us on Patreon and all the things. And yeah, here we go. Uh, for first coach's corner back at it. Twenty twenty one. We've got David Darris. We're talking Head Games, which is an upcoming uh, sports psychology, motivational psychology kind of talk about what he's looking to share with uh, people here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and beyond. So excited for the share the conversation with you. Hope you enjoy it. And check out Head Games coming up here uh, Oct- October 14th at D1 Training Stevens Point. We're going to have it online as well as in person, so check that out and enjoy the podcast. 
Damn. Cool, cool. We're, we are back in the, the remote podcast, virtual podcast studio. It's been a hot minute I'm since I've done a Coach's Corner episode, and I'm excited to get back in the saddle with David Darris today, a mental performance coach from Midwest Peak Performance, and he's going to be presenting at an upcoming uh, event we have at D1 Training Stevens Point entitled Head Games. David, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. To, I love I love the mental side of things. Uh, my minor, so uh, graduated sports medicine, athletic training, and do a ton of coaching mm-hmm. in the, the physical performance world, but my minor was in motivational psychology. I love awesome. I love that that side mm-hmm. of the equation, and I'm excited to kind of mm-hmm. chat today and get people excited. Give them a little heads up on what they can expect on October 14th at Head Games. So, with that, David, let's. Uh, I guess what's what's your background? What what brought you to Midwest Peak Performance, and what gets you fired up about? mental performance coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so I just, I'm still pretty new to the Stevens point area. I, uh, so I work actually, so my full-time job is actually at Aspirus. I'm a psychologist there. Um, I'd always just had a passion for sports and I've, you know, been studying sports psychology now for the last, I don't know, five, six, five, six years. And I always wanted to, uh, work in that area. And I felt like the need for this type of services um, could be really beneficial in the Stevens Point area, just, you know, given the legacy of the uh, college and the, you know, having, you know, really good athletic teams and then also the high school and just the, all the other university, not necessarily the universities, but the other high schools in the area that have had, you know, long history of good athletics and thought it could be beneficial. Cause I didn't, I don't get the sense that there's a whole lot about like this out there. So my hope is to bring it to the community. Awesome, man. I, I couldn't agree more. There's uh, plenty of, plenty of places we have in town uh, for the physical side of things, right? There's mm-hmm. uh, all different kinds of avenues and places to mm-hmm. pursue some physical training here in Stevens point. I'm excited to see someone kind of spearheading the idea of what we can do for mental performance mm-hmm. trainings for the, yeah. uh, the motivation, the sports psychology, whatever you want to call it, I guess mm-hmm. what for you then, what was just kind of like an athletic training coaching, mm-hmm. both of those worlds. When I talked to interns, when I talked to new coaches, there was, there was a certain event, there was a certain time in their life, maybe an injury or they had a mentor or a coach that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. leveled up their game or got them out of an injury, got them to, got them out of a funk. Uh, was there anything like that for you on this mental side of things? What's your, what's the story with, what's the motivation there? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, there wasn't really an individual, like I could say that kind of got me interested in the mental side of things. Um, I actually look back and think to myself, man, I was something I wish I had <laughs> when I was playing. Cause I was a hockey player uh, growing up and I look back and think, gosh, like I just, I played in my head all the time. Like I was a smaller guy in the ice. So I'd always just be worried about getting hit. You know, I was, you know, I weighed out, you know, when I was playing uh, in high school, 
I was all of five foot three and I weighed 120 pounds. So naturally I was more worried about getting hit than what I could do. So I, um, but I guess really um, to think about what's driving, you know, what got me really into the mental side is um, I had uh, been working with a mentor of mine and he introduced me to this, uh, the idea of sports psychology is uh, his name was uh, Rick Aberman. He actually worked with like the Minnesota Twins and he worked with um, uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. That's when he first got started. This is back in like the 80s before the Badgers got really good. Um, and then he also worked at the University of Minnesota and he really got me turned on to the idea of how beneficial this can be. And um, it's still a profession that's very much in its infancy compared to other areas of psychology, just as far as what people know about it and the amount of research that's dedicated to it. For sure. Uh, we're, we are definitely at the, at the point where we're able to recognize what little we know, right. And mm -hmm. then figuring out kind of how we go from here in the world of, well, even, mm -hmm. even psychology really in general, mm -hmm. we have a, there's a solid base of all of these different disciplines and mm -hmm. we can all, we can all think of uh, the crazy psychology stories and experiments we've all read. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's to, to think that we can train these, these um, aspects of our mental game. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's exciting and mm -hmm. it's new. Mm -hmm. So we've, I'm going to, uh, tell people that to, to check out your podcast with Derek Bell on the mm -hmm. Highway to Well podcast. That's definitely mm -hmm. so. If you're a coach or an individual listening with a youth athlete, they definitely dive into a lot of that mm -hmm. for the for the youth athlete. We'll we'll cover a little bit of that today, but mm -hmm. for what uh, D who I coach primarily as adults, um, mm -hmm. people that have been ath athletes. I'm going to say that in quotations their whole life. They you know mm -hmm. they were the the high school athlete, the collegiate athlete, the club athlete, maybe they find themselves in some kind of organized sport mm -hmm. now as an adult. The, the mental game is a big part of it, right? Their identity as an athlete, or maybe mm -hmm. they think that identity is gone now because they're not in an organized sport. If, mm -hmm. if you follow me, yeah. what, I guess, what do you, what do you, do you have any of those people you work with now when you talk to them? I guess, what are your, I guess, I get, you know, I think the piece of identity is actually a really interesting one in the sense of like, I think sometimes, you know, especially like for, you know, a big topic that we work with is uh, individuals who are transitioning from that athletic identity to something else. And because I think so much, you know, especially for your high level athletes that have played throughout high school, college, transitioning to, I guess, a quote unquote, more normal life can be difficult because there's been so much time invested in, in cultivating that identity and taking a lot of pride in it. And I think what's really important is recognizing that, you know, you're more than just your sport. You're more than just your, you're more than just this one thing. You know, I think sometimes we associate identity as just one thing, but we're such a sum of parts. So, I mean, I think it's opening up people up to the, to, a, I guess, more flexible thinking and understanding that you can still be active within a sporting realm. Like, for example, you know, I myself didn't see myself being a professional athlete because I just, 
like I said early on, I played very much in my head and I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, but I loved sports and I knew I wanted that to be a part of what I wanted to do in the future. And I was lucky enough to find something to where I could work with athletes and harness my, I guess, harness talents in a different way, you know, offering, you know, trying to help others you know, get to that next level. Um, I think really the most important part is, you know, understanding that there's more than one solution. There's more than one way to transition and there's more than one way to incorporate that part of that, that, that athletic identity into a different area. I like that. The transitioning it to a different area. Let's, let's dive deeper into that. So yeah, I, yeah. so a lot of the adults I work with, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. maybe have been in athletes, you know, five, mm -hmm. 10 plus years ago, potentially. Mm -hmm. And they, there was a disconnect, right? We, we, as youth coaches, we, the goal for sports is to make, build character, make a, you know, a, a useful member of society through the parameters of this game where, you know, we're teaching lessons, Derek mm -hmm. Bell, he's, he's, he's huge on this, right? Like building better yep. people through sport. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately that gets missed out on in a lot. I've seen it a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, Absolutely. People that, that element of it, gets missed in the development of this youth athlete of this, of this person who they goes into high school, into college. So as adults there, they don't have the person, the coach, you know, potentially yelling at them, telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. And they missed out on all of the personal development that we're, we're hoping for through sport. Yeah. I guess, what are your thoughts? Do you work with people right now where you're, you're like, Hey, let's take these, these disciplines from the quote unquote athlete and let's transition mm -hmm. them into, you know, normal life or you as mm -hmm. an adult, or how can you take, you know, this, these, these disciplines, these practices from a professional sports setting and apply mm -hmm. it to our habits for everyday mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Good question. I mean, the thing about athletes is that, you know, especially like the ones that do reach really high, you know, high levels of performance, or I guess being a you know, collegiate level, high, you know, high level, high school level, is that a lot of them, they understand what it is to do to, to work hard, you know, especially if like, they're kind of more driven by person, you know, like they're driven by competition, they're driven by a personal love for it. You'd see, they start to cultivate, cultivate this idea that if they're going to get better, it's like, they got to put that time, that work in there. And um, there's this theory um, in sports psychology and well, it's not just novel to sports psychology, but it's, it's called deliberate practice theory. And it's this idea that, you know, becomes really is something that should be really communicated to young kids. And it's, it's understanding that the, if you want to get better at something, you got to do something every single day, you got to be willing to sacrifice. And I mean, it's applicable to all, you know, all parts of life, whether it's an instrument, whether it's, um, a, you know, uh, studying in school, if you want to get better, you got to put the time in. And it's, it's very simple, but yet it's not, if that makes sense, because the people that tend to be the most successful are obviously the ones that will put in that time and they understand that they have to practice over and over and over again, oftentimes the same thing. So things that seem difficult at first eventually just become a reflex. Um, it's those types of things that can be really applicable, you know, when they trans, you know, when an older person who's been an athlete their whole life to transition into a new area. I like it. How do we, so, you know, a lot of these 
we're talking athletes right now, but yeah. I want to, I want to take it to the next, like high performers, right? High performers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe they're wired differently. Maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's mm-hmm. learned, but this idea that deliberate practice and it's okay to fail, right? D- with deliberate practice, you're mm-hmm. going to suck at something. It is going to be challenging. You, there will be failures and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know because some people I, I work with, right. This could be youth. This could be college. This could mm-hmm. be high, adults somewhere along the line. We've like, it's, it's bad to fail. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you, somebody fails at something or it's super challenging, they're like, Oh, I'm never going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give up. Yep. Do you, is there a, is there a training philosophy? What was there a technique people can start oh, implementing? <laughs> I mean, I think it's really, um, I think it's really not so much like is there specific training. It's more, I think first it's like, there's gotta be some level of insight. Um, you mentioned something about that, you know, has part of it being genetic, you know, being gifted with something. I do definitely think that obviously the pra- you know, practicing is very, very important. And I think, you know, when it comes to whether it's genetics, whether it's, there's always been this debate, whether, you know, is somebody just gifted with the talent um, I think to some extent, yes. I think that some people are just, you know, you know, someone who's born seven foot one is going to make a great center because they're gifted with that height. But there also be has to be like a sense of luck, like where they were born. Um, did they grow up with somebody who was motivating them? Did they? And then, of course, there's the practice theory. Like if you want to get better at something, you got to be willing to put in the time. So. As far as technique goes, I think really to learn how to get good at something, it's got to, you got to start small. And I always encourage people like when they want to take that next step towards trying to achieve something, it's true. You got to start with these little small habit changes and like 1% changes actually as uh, a way of looking at it. And it's just building on those 1% changes actually. um, And I got that from a really great book um, by James Clear. It's Atomic Habits. It's a phenomenal book. Because he talks about learning how to structure your environment so that doing all those things that seem really hard to, um, you know, to reach a certain outcome or a certain goal become a lot easier by just simply structuring your environment to where you're going to do those things that are going to get you to that next step. I love it. That's, uh, I do a lot of that with uh, mm-hmm. my clients, people I work Absolutely. with is it's like, all right, cool. You've got this awesome, big, great goal. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. And then we reverse engineer it, right? To the point mm-hmm. where we're, we're talking about what is it we're going to specifically do, you know, mm-hmm. today, 12 hours from now, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I love it. Yeah. That Atomic mm-hmm. Habits is a great book. Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, well, no, what, the other thing I was just going to just say too, is that I think the other thing though, when somebody's setting out to be like a high performer in a certain area, the one, uh, probably one of the first steps I think is so important is you have to see yourself accomplishing it and you have to be very specific about what you want to accomplish. Um, And if you, because if you don't, you know, no one's going to do it for you. And if your vision is unclear, then how are you going to accomplish it? Because you don't know really what you want to accomplish. Um, So I mean, having very specific goals are so, so important. And visualization is just what I think I talk about so much seeing yourself do it is so powerful because then you actually have an idea of what it's going to look like when you eventually accomplish it. Yeah. I love it. Visualization. 
super i, I kind of want to take visualization and go back to the idea mm-hmm. of we we mentioned competition mm-hmm. work ethic and deliberate practice mm-hmm. i so from what i see for from coaching people in the in the mm-hmm. physical realm which is very much tied into mm-hmm. the mental spiritual even mm-hmm. this idea of competition i see mm-hmm. it and i know the i know the power of it we both do it right so mm-hmm. like pushing Absolutely. each other pushing pushing ourselves but there's the 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 negative side of it where people everything we do in a group setting right or a new setting mm-hmm. everyone thinks they're they're being judged or they have to compete with the person next to them, not realizing that the best form of competition that's sustainable is mm-hmm. competition with themselves, right? What they were yeah. doing yesterday, their, their habits, their, their, their mental practice. What, what are your, I guess, what are your ideas? Let's, mm-hmm. let's kind of dive a little deeper into this idea of competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With competition, I think, um, I definitely think that it's, you know, when people are more focused on not necessarily the outcome of the competition, um, kind of like I was alluding to earlier about, you know, if somebody's doing something because they love it, the competition is going to drive them and they're going to see their competition as like it, it, the successful person tends to be the one that's more focused on how am I getting better as a result? They have that mentality. Whereas like if somebody's got more of their ego involved with it, they're more concerned about being the best or being, you know, winning or being very outcome focused, you know, competition can be detrimental because they're, they're focused solely on how they compare to that other person. So it can be, you know, it's kind of dependent upon the person. And typically like you see the more successful athletes, like I look at like a guy like Tom Brady, like he sees competition as, as something that drives him. Like it's, and drives him in the sense of like, he's, trying to figure out how he can, what he brings to the table and how he can improve each and every time, you know, learning from each, um, learning from each spot. And it's, it's, he's the guy that's more focused again on the process as opposed to the outcome. Like the interesting thing is that, you know, when he's, because he's so process oriented, he is more successful. The outcomes tend to come to him a lot easier, but that's not, you know, certainly he's got goals, but think of how many times he's failed, but also how many times he's been successful. It's like, he takes that, he takes competition as an opportunity. Uh, the ones that can't escape, see it as an opportunity, but solely as like a failure, like it can, it can be super detrimental, but it's, it's, I guess it's a big thing of how much is your ego involved with it? Like how much is winning and being better important to you? I mean, I think it is important to win because it, there's a lot of value in it, but if that's all the reason why you're playing, there's a bigger question. Agreed. Agreed. I love it. The pro- yeah, the process, right? The mm-hmm. what we can control versus Absolutely. the outcome which is mm-hmm. beyond our control, right? We're we're yeah. not we're not able to control mm-hmm. what the other the other side of the competition is doing. Exactly. So well, pro- and trying to force competition, you know, trying to force like change, you know, over things that are just unchangeable. I mean, that's a whole I mean, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Um, so I'll just synthesize it, but I mean, when you're trying to force change and trying to force an outcome, oftentimes you never get that outcome because you're, you're trying to do, you're trying to will yourself to a victory. And the thing is, is your willpower just doesn't always sustain you. So it's knowing what's within your control and how to use that to be successful. I love it. So 
And that's a perfect transition because I want to, the, mm -hmm. the next part was work ethic, right? So we're talking mm -hmm. about willpower to sustain you. Mm -hmm. uh, we all, we all know the workhorses, right? The people that yep. they can grind and grind and grind, but mm -hmm. maybe because like what you're talking about, their vision is unclear. Mm -hmm. They grind themselves into burnout, right? We've all seen it or mm -hmm. injury or just one day they're just tired, mm -hmm. right? In a, in a different sense than burnout, but they're just, mm -hmm. they're, they're no longer interested in a different way. Mm -hmm. Work ethic. I think it's tied to into, you know, the 1% habit changes. If we can make, mm -hmm. I'm big on uh, small victories, small wins in the gym, right? Like where Absolutely. is this person at? What can I challenge them with? that's within their reach, but it will push them. How, how does a person cultivate that? Because I think if you can cultivate that and you can make that part of your process, right? Going back to process, what's in your control, a person's work ethic grows, grows in relation to that discipline, those 1% habits. And then the confidence too, right? Like people, people whose work ethic goes up and they see the wins, their, 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 their confidence goes up, their discipline, mm -hmm. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you know, work ethic is really important. And I think that, you know, you hit on something today, you know, you hit on something about the grind that I wanted to kind of touch base on. And, um, you know, it's interesting because like, sometimes you think of the grind, like, I think a lot of people really take that to heart, like embrace the grind and, you, I liked how you connected it though. Like if it's too much grind, like, and if you think of like, when you're you think of like the origins of the word, you know, grinding, you know, like you're grinding like an ax or something like that. Eventually you can, if you're, if you grind too much, what happens to the ax? You dull it, it becomes ineffective. Um, but to kind of touch on the work ethic piece, um, you know, again, I'm going to revert back to Tom Brady because I heard this quote. He had a couple, couple of, on a, it was on a podcast. I listened to him about him and he said, um, as far as work ethic goes, he said, don't mistake activity for achievement. Just because you're breaking a sweat, it doesn't mean you're actually getting anything done. Working hard at the wrong things is just going to allow you to get better at getting worse. And I was like, wow, like that's so true because you know, work ethic is important, but it's in, when you talk about vision, it's like you need to know like what you're doing wrong in order to get better. Anybody can just practice and run through the motions, but that's not going to get you anywhere. And I love how he captured this idea that, okay, so even if you work as hard as you want, if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get really good at the same thing. But if there's something that you want to improve, it's understanding that you got to take a look at the, the film. You got to take a look at uh, or you got to listen to your coaches. You got to listen to um, what's what is going to get better. You have to learn to undo habits, and it's not an easy thing. So work ethic. I think it's about working hard, yes, and to some extent embracing embracing the difficulty, the grind, but understanding that you have to be very tactful about your, your training too, and that's where the mental side really can come in. Agreed. The First off, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to say, I love the Tom Brady, the Tom Brady quotes right now. Mm -hmm. We're talking about him. I'm not, <laughs> I don't really follow football at all, but yeah. I, I love that. Tom. But Brady. I know this is Packer country too. Yeah, so yeah. I, I know I, love, I have to trip, tread a little lightly with no, too many Tom Brady I'm, quotes. I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I, I love, I love the process. You just watch the guy and you know, he's a high performer, right? Like mm -hmm. he's taking it to a whole nother mm -hmm. level. And the fact that, the, uh, they beat the Pats. Like, I love that. 
that's mm-hmm. to me that mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's amazing. So going back to that, I, what we were just talking about that feeds into the last part, going back mm-hmm. to deliberate practice. Yeah. Um, you know, there in my, in my, my world, I see it, you know, people are like, well, I'm, I'm only eating 1200 calories. I'm exercising, you know, however many hours a day, blah, 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 blah. It's like, why am I not hitting my goals? Well, because that the process you're, you're doing mm-hmm. isn't the correct one, right? You're, you're spinning your wheels, like you said, but you're not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been, you've been led to believe that if you starve yourself and sweat a bunch that you're going to mm-hmm. look super jacked or lean or toned. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's just not the way you get there. So yeah, it's, it's finding someone that can give you the proper process. I know a couple of mm-hmm. times you mentioned having mentors that help have helped guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, where does, where does that fit in? Where's mentorship coaching? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's a good one. I mean, if you, uh, you want to get better at something, you have to reach out to people that know what they're, that are already a master at that skill, or they have a level of knowledge that's above yours that can, that can get you to where you want to be. And then it's about understanding that, okay, so let's say you get to that level. And if you're finding that that person is not necessarily helping you, like they've gotten you to a certain point, then you got to find somebody else. And it's, you know, again, it's a simple thing, but I think people overlook it because I think going to that next level is going to require some level of discomfort. You know, you got to, whether it's, you know, going to a personal trainer and then, you know, knowing that it's going to suck because you have to do a bunch of deadlifts or something like that. Or, um, and then if you get to that point where that person's just not, you can kind of tell like you're not hitting goals the way you want, you know, you got to have that difficult conversation be like, I got to move, you know, I got to, I got to move on. I got to find that person that's going to complement this. It's, you know, when you want to get better, it's like, it's about understanding what direction and finding that direction is, you know, we need people to do that for us too. You know, we can think we know everything, but we don't. <laughs> so we have to rely on experts in other fields and mean mentorship and coaching is such a big part of that. Agreed. Uh, love, love the mentors and coaches in my life. Cause yeah. kind of like you yeah. said, they, they give you the kick in the kick in the rear when you need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they help you see through the forest because mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so often, you know, we all get bogged down with mm-hmm. the, the individual trees or the little things that we think are big hurdles. And then mm-hmm. having somewhere, someone that mm-hmm. we know and trust and value to kind of like show you the way or show you that the mm-hmm. obstacle in front of you is mm-hmm. self self-created. It's important mm-hmm. to have. Absolutely. So I want to, next part I want to go into is this, we mentioned it a couple of times, discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Having more discipline or your discipline waivers, you can't rely on your discipline. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always, in my mind, I always play around with these ideas when it comes to helping someone with habit Mm -hmm. change. Are you familiar with logo therapy? So, so the, the, um, a la Victor Frankl, I believe. Yes, yes. Writing right. meaning and purpose. Yep. Exactly. So we've that book got, changed my life. Yep. Same. I it's one of probably the book I think I recommend to people the most. Mm-hmm. Uh if they if they're like describe I'm like, hey, what well, you know, what are you feeling? Where are you at? And if they describe anything about kind of 
mental focus or purpose. That's the book, Mm -hmm. the book I recommend Mm -hmm. to people. Uh, So we've got that idea, right? Finding purpose, Mm -hmm. even in like the very worst. So for people listening, if you don't know what that is, it's a book he wrote about logotherapy. So his idea of, uh, of psychology, kind of his like philosophy from his experience during the, his time spent in a concentration camp in World War II. Mm-hmm. So some pretty dark stuff in that book mm-hmm. and his stories and his enlightenment um, through it, during, and then after. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely it changed my life. So, so that, right, finding purpose even through all of these things in life and then Dis- the idea that discipline is limited, right? It's like, it's like a, it's like a bar of energy you have. And once you've used it throughout the day, it's mm-hmm. depleted, right? There's that idea. See, I see that a lot. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it a lot, but and oh, then there's, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And then there's discipline, the muscle, right? The more we mm-hmm. use it with proper, you know, going back to proper vision, proper mm-hmm. competition, work ethic, deliberate practice, the more we use that discipline, the stronger it gets. Yep. yep. With those three things, what do you mm-hmm. got for me? What are you thinking? What, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It was, it's like, I, I love that book. It said, I think what's so awesome about that book is what he said. One of the things that I pulled from it was that even in the most dire circumstances, you have that choice to, to find, you know, to find meaning in what you're doing. Like, even when all of that is everything that is seemingly stripped away, I think what he does is that he gives you hope that even in the hardest times that you can find your path, you can find your way. And a meaning and purpose, it's, it comes through finding, you know, some people will say they find it from finding something bigger than themselves. And, you know, some people really find that in athletics, they, and those those people tend in my eyes be the most successful because they recognize, you know, just something bigger than themselves. It's not in whether that's being part of a team. um, But if they can't find that in sports, sometimes it helps to look outward because uh, kind of just alluding back to what we talked about before is that if you're struggling with finding who you are, I think sometimes people think they love sports and they think that that's where they want to be. Um, But maybe somebody else has told them that they're really good and they just do it because they're good at it without necessarily exploring what else they might like. Um, I guess the concept of like kind of discipline and mindset, um, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, we need to take care of ourselves, you know, to avoid that burnout. I think, a great example of what, you know, a collective sense of burnout that we've all felt is through COVID-19. And what it did is it really highlighted the importance of self-care and being, making sure that through this, whatever experience, you know, we were pushed to our limits so frequently, like when are we going to be able to go out again, when it required so much patience. And, you know, what helped was remembering that there are good things in our life because there's so many bad things to focus on. Um, you know, 24 hours, seven, just negative news cycle everywhere you look like all doom and gloom. It's, and at the same time, like, you know, you, if you're not setting aside that time, you're not being very deliberate about creating this space. It's no wonder why people were struggling because they were focused on what was going wrong as opposed to not, you know, putting in perspective that man, within one year, we've got a vaccine. We've got, we've done so much to understand this, but, you know, if you think back to the early 19th, 19th century during about 100 years ago, 
during the Spanish flu, I mean, they experienced very similar circumstances, but had no means of communication. So I think learning to be grateful can be helpful in like creating that space to take care of yourself when you're feeling down or losing a sense of meaning to understand that there's still things that you can always be grateful for. Um, and then another thing I wanted to talk about too was you know, whether we like to believe it or not, you know, we can create space to create more, you know, to uh, you know, believe that we're capable of doing more than we think. And really it's telling yourself, it's very simple, but understanding your self-talk. So many times, and I experienced this throughout grad school, it's like, how am I going to finish this paper on time? How am I going to write my dissertation? How am I going to pass my licensing exam? It's, you got to just, as corny as it sounds, if you, you have to be positive to yourself because no one else, you know, everyone else can tell you how positive, you know, how things are going to be okay. But if you don't believe it, if you're saying, oh, you're such a failure, oh, you're trying to motivate yourself that way, like you're not going to do well, how do you expect to do well? So again, it's kind of coming back to being deliberate about taking that time to be kind to yourself because we need to be, we need to believe that we're capable. And if we don't believe we're capable, we're not going to take steps to do that. We're going to just kind of rely on this fixed sense of like, we can't do anything at all. So why bother? So I think the big key is, again, it, it's, it's being very intentional, very deliberate about what you want to accomplish. And you'd be surprised. You can reach past your boundaries because believe it or not, your mind gives up so much faster than your body does. People think it's the other way around. There's more and more research coming out about people who just do simple self-talk exercises to kind of create the space for more accomplishment that actually set more records or like personal records because they believe it can happen. They, you know, they see themselves doing it. They talk about themselves in a very positive way. Those little simple changes can do so much. So that was a little bit elongated. So no, no, no. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I can go on for hours. Yep. I, I you and me both. I love this stuff. Um, so I, for everyone listening, I hope that's we've, we've covered a lot in just a very short amount of time, which I love. Um, but really, you know, it's coming back to these, these very similar ideas of, um, you know, the, the idea of pushing ourselves, getting uncomfortable, growing, uh, working hard towards these things, getting some kind of coaching mentorship so we can then take on that self that self ownership right like mm -hmm. once once we're we're better educated once we've done some listening some learning some growing we can apply that and uh, work on improving these things that we want to get better at these one percent mm -hmm. habit changes the performance the sport whatever it is uh so i guess david what we got we've got about a little bit longer here i don't want to take up too much of your evening mm -hmm. uh what, what are you hoping to accomplish with head games? What are you going into it? What are you, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? I think the big thing is, is, you know, certainly I want to get, you know, make a splash into the field and to make a splash into the community. I think that's to me, what's most important. I think that this is something that could be very um, helpful for, you know, community like Stevens point that has a very long tradition of, you know, athletic excellence. You know, if you think of the big names that have come out of there, in such a small community, you know, my hope is that somehow with bringing this there that we can increase that. Um, but I guess with Head Games, really, it's about just having a conversation about 
what is the mental side of things and um, trying to, you know, whether it's dispel myths about it, you know, trying to move, have it move away from being like a, it's a, you know, coming to see a mental performance coach as like a, a broke, you know, I'm, you're a broken athlete or you're a broken person, you know, really seeing it as like, it's an opportunity, you know, seeing it as like a way to build people up and recognizing that the best people in the world have mental performance coaches, Russell Wilson, Steph Curry, all these people rely on people to help, you know, to take it, to take their game to the next level. My hope is to, you know, to just provide at bare minimum, just some education about it. So people are just well-informed and to, you know, if it's something that they're interested in to consider it, to see how it could take, them to the next level and to take a chance. Um, really, for me, it's more just, again, just trying to answer any questions that people have about it. And I certainly do have some, you know, I can certainly bring in uh, my own slides, things like that. But really, my goal is to try to just get the word out. I like it. Get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you touched on you know, the, the COVID-19 burnout, it's yep. definitely a real thing. I'm, you know, with the, the, the people I serve, the kind of the demographic, right. There's, you've got, a, you got adults, family, a lot of teachers, a lot of community leaders, a lot of community volunteers, all sides of all sides of the, 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 the spectrum right now in every little spot, mm -hmm. parents, teachers, like I said, so yeah, there's, I, I mean, I see it. I spent, we were, we, we went up to Bayfield uh, a week or so ago. We were up there for four or five days in the forest, in the apple orchards, not a ton of people. I just, I needed some, you know, self-care time, some, mm -hmm. some time in the forest. I've got uh, my dad right now. He's, He's just about a year out from a pretty extensive spinal fusion surgery. So Oof. he had one. Yeah, he had one 20 years ago that he should have never had. And his body has been rejecting it ever since. And they had to go in and undo a lot of it, try to fix some stuff. And he's had even more complications from the second surgery. And he, so he's in a roller coaster. You're talking about a guy that's been super active his entire life just turned 60 he's got the neck of like a 140 year old uh and it's really the complications from that of the neuropathy the spasms it's really oh I can really sounds terrible yeah it's, it has been terrible he's been bouncing around from clinic to therapist to clinic to therapist for his uh for his rehab and it's not been sticking and we've been mm -hmm. trying to do stuff with him at home uh you know, I'll, I'll admit I've never, I've worked with spinal fusions, but I've never worked with someone to the extent he has it. And the side effects he's had from two surgeries that did not go like they should have went. And like I said, that first one should have never happened. Like he had the surgery. And then a few years ago, right before COVID he was, we were taking, getting him in to get it looked at because something wasn't right. And they're like, Oh yeah, you should have never had that surgery. Right. When another orthopedic surgeon is telling you that, like, you lose a lot of faith in the system and that's yeah. where my dad's at. And the, couple that with the, just the, all of the problems he's been having his, you know, I want to be there for him, support him. And he's, he's in a really bad place right now. 
spiritually, emotionally, let alone physically. I think at this point, physically, he's 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 adapted to pain. It's kind of become his existence. But the fact that it's limited his function as far as it has this last year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. uh, it's really started to impact his spiritual and mental well-being. Um, and I've just been exhausted, right, from that, mm-hmm. being there for him and my mom and then Mm-hmm. just the the nature of coaching right it's it that you you know i have a great day and then you go to the gym and you find out you know one of your members has cancer or they're yeah broken something and it, it just weighs on a person so yeah the idea of That's... self-care and self-love man it's so important right now oh definitely definitely i i i hear you i mean there's bad news is, you know, whenever you get bad news, it's, you know, everyone's always like, oh, this is like the worst time. But the fact of the matter is, is bad news just always sucks. And I think it just highlights the, I mean, highlights the importance of taking care of yourself and, you know, doing those things that you love to do. And, you know, some, you know, when I'm doing therapy, a lot of people will be like, well, you know, what is self-care? Well, it's, it's doing those hobbies. It's, you know, creating the time for it. And, I mean, that's what's important. I think it was just very easy to become, you know, it's very easy to become a very passive observer of your own life if you don't take charge. And not everybody realizes that because it's easy to fall into this like sense of learned helplessness. Like, well, I can't do, you know, I feel like crap. So how am I going to get myself out of it? Well, you know, again, it's just doing the very small things, you know, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time, if you just try to buck the trend a little bit, you know, and do something different, it can be remarkable. Love it. Good stuff, David. Uh, well, really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy we were able to make it work. (laughs) Yes, sir. Right. All the, all the things have been popping up for both Mm -hmm. of us. Um, no, for everyone listening though, I know I'm going to be, this will be on the podcast streams. I'm going to push it out to the the gym folks because I know there's been, kind of some questions, what exactly it is, because like you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. No one's doing this kind of thing. It's not, it's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's some people reading, doing their own stuff on it, but uh, there's nothing you're, you're, you're starting something new and it's going to be confusing. It's going to be weird for some people. And unfortunately anything mental health related mental performance related right like mm-hmm. you said it has the has the viable oh i must mean i'm broken if i have if i mm-hmm. have to go get help it's kind of like the per, you know i'll i'll go to a family or a friend event and someone will be like well they, a they have to tell me their diet they're on which i really don't care about and then b <laughs> they have to they tell me well i have to get in shape before i can come see you right? <laughs> it's like no <laughs> not at all you know, I more and more actually. I've you know, I try to adopt, and I, I do this with my therapy patients too. Is that you? Everybody has that potential within them. You know, you're you know, people will think that they come to see me that they're broken somehow, and you know, maybe they are experiencing a lot of distress. And I really try to highlight that your potential is always within you. It's just we have to find a way to build it up, and those things take time. And I think, you know, it is, I think the uncomfortable thing about, you know, any sort of like mental health is just that people, there's a general, I don't want to say fear, but there's discomfort with vulnerability, saying that there's something not working and, or some, not necessarily something not working, but there's something off that I need to 
try to build up again. And it just takes time. And I mean, the thing is, is that with mental performance coaching, you know, I do want to separate it out. That is definitely not mental health work. There are mental aspects of it, but there is a fine line between what a performance coach does and what a psychologist does. And the only reason I can speak to that is because I'm both of them. There's a line, you know, with psychology or with uh, being a psychologist and being a performance coach. There's no discussion. I mean, there's certainly mental health topics will come up, but as soon as that happens, it's like, then, then we consider referrals somewhere else. And there's nothing wrong with that because we all need to talk to people. And what's been awesome, I think, is there's more and more athletes out there that are saying, hey, I see a therapist on the regular. And that's great. Like, you know, Michael Phelps, Simone Bylas, all these big name people are coming out and saying, I needed to talk to us. I need to talk to somebody. I'm human. You know, just because I'm an athlete and I do well, I need to talk to someone because we need people. Amen to that. I love it. I think that's a good place to, to end. We need mm-hmm. people. So for everyone uh, giving this a listen, I hope you come check out Head Games at D1 Training, Stevens Point, on August 14th. And come have a conversation with David. I know he's mm-hmm. looking forward to getting it rolling. Yeah, yeah. And feel free to follow me on Twitter. I have quotations every single day. Um, at, I'm at drdaris. Um and I'm also on Facebook at Midwest Peak Performance. Um, so feel free to follow me there, like my page, trying to build and trying to build the service and whatever anybody can do to help. I'm, you know, if they want to reach out to me, I'd be more than happy to talk to them. Email is drdaris at outlook.com. Be happy to answer any questions that people have. Awesome. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks, Bill. We'll talk to you later.